For I am crucified with Christ And yet I live Embrace the cross Where Jesus Welcome to Crossbound Ministries where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word. You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Embrace the love the cross requires cling to the one whose heart is... Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 27 is where we'll be at today. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 27. If you've not checked out our YouTube channel or our podcast on iTunes or Spotify or any of the other ones, uh, check that out. I'll put all my messages on there. You can see uh, messages as I, as I preach them and past messages that you can listen to and tune into again or i'm sure there's many on there that you haven't heard so check out our youtube channel and our podcast first corinthians chapter 15 verse 27 the bible says for he hath put all things under his feet but when he saith all things are put under him it is manifest that he is expected which did put all things under him where it says, for he has put all things under him. Who is him? Who, who, he's talking about Jesus. You, you might paraphrase this verse as God has put all things under Christ's feet. In other words, God has given Jesus Christ all dominion, all power, all authority, all divine judgment over all the earth. And that's what it's talking about. He has power over it. Verse 28 says, and when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son of also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. After all things have been put into subjection to Jesus Christ, he himself would be subject to God forever. Isn't that an amazing thing that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all equal yet they're all one yet jesus said i do my father's will it is just hard for us to comprehend fully and completely we just have to take it by faith and fully believe it amen because it is god and just as if you can think about it just like this you may be a parent but you also may be an uncle and you also may be a husband and you also may be a brother and you also may be this to that person, this to that person. You, you're a one person, but you are many different things to different people. You might be an uncle and an aunt, a mother and a father. All to the, You're the same person, but you're something different to somebody else. And that's a simple way to look at it because we can't fully understand that. But we can fully believe it and accept it by faith, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And those three are one. 
So God made Christ ruler, administrator over all his plans. He gave all authority and all power, and he took it and he put it in Jesus' hands, and he put subdued everything unto him. In other words, the Lord Jesus Christ has all power and all authority. Amen. Like when he rose from the grave, the Bible says that he had the keys to death and hell. And that one day he'll take death and hell and cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. It will forever be in the lake of fire. That is something, isn't it? Something so horrendous, so massively bad, so unbelievably, incredibly terrible that it could swallow up hell and death itself. And that is the lake of fire. And I'm going to tell you, if you will go there, if you've never been born again, the Bible says that ye must be born again. So here in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he is straightening some things out because there was problems in the church. There was false teachers creeping in the church. There was false doctrine trying to be crept in. And Paul is setting the record straight about some things, and he's also answering some questions that the church at Corinth had. And verse 29 says, Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? At the time Paul wrote this, there was some fierce persecution against those who took a public stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I say persecution, I don't mean they got talked about bad or they got picked on or they didn't get picked for the raise or they didn't get picked for the promotion. I don't mean that kind of persecution. I'm talking about they were dragging them out in the street and killing them or they were stoning them or they were hanging them or they were letting them on fire. That's the kind of persecution I'm talking about, real persecution. Most of the time, us here in America, we, we think, oh, boy, my, they gave me cold. My coffee's cold. I got persecuted. You know, that's, we have to make up things that are just nothing, really, compared to what's really going on in the rest of the world. And so when you think about persecution in the Bible, you think about what happened to the Corinthians who were taking a stand for Christ. When they, when they were persecuted, I'm talking about they were being drugged out and killed and murdered like Paul did before he got saved. And so this persecution was especially vicious at the time of their baptism because at that time they're going out into the community and they, the people are seeing in public that they are being baptized. They are making a public profession of faith. That's what baptism is. You are making a public profession of faith. You're letting the whole world know that I've been born again. I am now a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. My life is changing. I am going to follow God from now on. I'm going to live and be righteous and holy and live a Christ-like life and follow what the Bible tells me to do. You are making a public profession of faith. And so then after a person did that, persecution was heavy back then, as it is today in many other countries. In many other countries, people are being killed, murdered, martyred, stoned to death for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not so much here in America. There may be a few things happen, but it's nothing like what's going on in other countries. It often happened to those that who publicly proclaim their faith in Christ in the water baptism. A lot of times they were martyred 
Shortly thereafter, you've made a public profession of faith. The devil's coming after you. He's going to take you out. As in many countries they do today where, where Muslims are predominant, uh, they look down at Christianity and India and places of that nature where other religions, uh, false religions, and see, the devil's all in those false religions. The devil's got them going the wrong way. The devil's got them misled. And so when the real thing comes along, when somebody's truly a Christian, the devil's going to do everything he can to attack that person because he does not, he does not want that person sharing their faith. He does not want somebody else being saved. That now the devil knows he cannot have you, but he's going to try to stop you. He's going to try to stop you from winning others over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And isn't it amazing fact that there's such a double standard in the world that you don't hear them uh, blaspheming other religions like you do Christianity, but yet they'll put Christianity out there and run it down and talk bad about it and all kinds of certain things. And that's okay. But don't do it to nothing else. Listen, the devil's not out attacking false religions. The devil's attacking the one true religion. And that's a, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, as many were baptized, there was, there was a lot of persecution going on. But this did not stop the others from, from getting saved, from getting baptized. As, as many times in the Bible, even in Acts, when the, the, the church was greatly persecuted and they spread out and they ran all over. And you know what it did is the devil was trying to stomp them out. Instead, he's like trying to stomp out a gas fire. The more he stomped on it, the hotter it got and the more it spread. And the more Christianity spread. And through that, through the persecution, God allowed his church to grow and people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because of that persecution, they ran to other towns. Because of that persecution, they moved around. Because of that persecution, they broke and went their ways I'm sure they left loved ones and family, but in the process, others were being saved because they were moving around. They were scattered. And so it seemed as though there were always new replacements coming after somebody got saved, after they got martyred. Amen. Praise God for that. And if you can think about this, before the Apostle Paul was born again, before he met Christ on that road to Damascus, he persecuted people. Matter of fact, the first deacon, Stephen, was stoned to death, died a martyr's death, and they took his clothes. And the Bible says that they laid them at a young man's feet named Saul. And that was the Apostle Paul. And if you remember what Stephen said before he died, as they are killing him, they are hitting him with rocks till he is dead. He is praying for them. Father, forgive them. Nobody does that. That is not natural. That is supernatural. That can only come through the love that God can put in your heart for other people. But Paul saw that. And I guarantee you that weighed on his mind and then on his heart when he laid down that night and realized that I had this man martyred. I had him stoned and he prayed for us. And he prayed that God would forgive us and not lay this, this sin to our charge. Don't you know how heavy that weighed on the Apostle Paul? Because you would expect somebody to cuss you or run you down or scream at you or holler at you. But wait a minute, when you are murdering somebody, they stop and pray for you? 
I can tell you that can get a hold of their heart like nothing else can. Like nothing else can. And then somehow, some amazing way, God can use that and reach into a person's life to get a hold of their heart and soften their stony heart that they too, they too might accept the gift of salvation that the Lord Jesus Christ offers. What a great example it is for me and for you to show love to others. It's so easy to get mad. It's so easy to fly off the handle. It's so easy just to give somebody what you think they deserve. But God said, treat others as you want to be treated. He said, be good to those that revile you. Love those that hate you and persecute you. That comes supernaturally. That only comes to the love of God and being right with God. And so here in this chapter, Paul is writing to the church and he's writing about the false teachers creeping in. And in verse 30, he says, and why stand we in jeopardy every hour? Paul says, why do I, why do I stand here in jeopardy every hour? The apostle Paul was constantly exposed to danger. And because of Paul, Paul's fearlessness in preaching and his fearlessness in serving Christ, he made enemies wherever he went. It's often said that wherever the Apostle Paul went, there was either a riot or a revival or there was both. But something was going to happen when Paul preached. Something was going to happen when Paul told others about his faith. And that's what he said. He says, I'm standing here. Why would I stand here in jeopardy? If this was false, if there was no resurrection, if there was no true Christianity, why would I jeopardize myself? Because men don't die for something they don't believe in. A man does not lay down his life for something that he thinks is false. But he will lay down his life for something that he believes in. And the apostle Paul believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, he could have easily gotten away from all that. He could have avoided all that trouble by abandoning his mission and his profession and his work for the Lord Jesus Christ. He could have saved himself a lot of beatings and a lot of jail time and stoning and all kind of trouble and persecution if he would have just laid that down and said, you know, I'm done with that. But he didn't. He said, why we stand? He stand he's, because I believe in it. Because I know the Lord Jesus Christ personally. I know what God did in my life. I know what God can do in yours. And I want you to have what I have. I want you to have eternal life. You see, Paul believed in that. And that's why he stood in jeopardy. Because he wants you to have it. Amen? And that includes you and the sound of my voice. Paul is writing to you, Christian he wants you to share your faith with others. He wants you to know that it's not in vain, no matter what happens or how bad it gets or what the devil does to you or how bad are your attacks or even if you're martyred for the Lord Jesus Christ, as many still are today. A lot of times it's in other countries, in third world countries. Uh, North Korea, that's a bad one. It's, it's, it's rough to be a Christian in North Korea, but I can tell you, or China, but Christianity spreading like wildfire. Why? Because it is hope. It is true hope. It is the one true living God is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he can change your eternal state. He can take your name and write it down in the Lamb's book of life that you might be forever be with him in 
heaven. And Paul knows this. And that's why he said, like in verse 15, and why stand we here in jeopardy every hour? He's letting you know. Why would I? I wouldn't do it if I didn't believe in it. Listen to what he says in verse 31. I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. Paul said every day of my life, I'm exposed to death. I'm exposed to problems. I'm exposed to persecution. I'm exposed to imprisonment and shipwrecks and beatings and all kinds of other things. But you know what? He rejoiced in it. He rejoiced that he could be persecuted for the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you right now, that's hard, ladies and gentlemen. That's hard. It is hard to stand up and say, Amen, glory to God that I am worthy to suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, I'm worthy of that persecution. But the Bible says great. Listen to me. The Bible says great is your reward in heaven when you are persecuted. When men revile you and say all manner of evil against you for my name's sake, Jesus said you have rewards in heaven that are unimaginable. Amen. Great is your reward in heaven. And by the way, those people wouldn't be attacking you if the devil wasn't behind them pushing them. You got to remember that it's a spiritual battle. We look at a person, we go, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they said that. I can't believe that group did that. I can't believe. And we so easily forget that the real battle is not that person. The real battle is not that group. The real battle is Satan. The real battle is the devil. The real battle is evil spiritual forces. The Bible tells us, it says, I, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That is where the real battle is at, is in the spiritual realm. And you cannot see that with your eyes. You can't even hear that with your ears. You might see what other people are doing. You might see what other people are saying, but the real battle is spiritual. And if you're going to win the real battle, listen to me, you're going to win it on your knees. You're going to win it praying to an almighty God. You're going to win it by fasting and prayer. The Bible even says that some cannot be cast out without fasting and prayer. Amen. What have you given up to win the battle, to win the real spiritual battle? Is it hard to fast for a day? Sure it is. It's not easy. But it's not supposed to be easy. If it was easy, it wouldn't even be worth doing now, would it? Anything that's worth anything is hard. But when you give up something so that you can get close to God, hey, God hears that and God recognizes that and God is pleased with that. God is happy with that. And God is going to definitely hear your prayers. And if you want to win that battle, if you want to make a difference in the real, where the real battle's at, in the spiritual realm, you have got to sacrifice something. And the Bible says that some cannot be cast out but by fasting and by prayer. Amen? Let's get busy praying. He says in verse 32, If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts of Ephesus, 
What advantageth it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat, drink, and for tomorrow we die. Paul is speaking here of, of wicked men as wild beasts. And there are some wild men. They're, they're, like, they're like wild animals. If you've ever been anywhere near a jail or a federal prison or a state prison or even a jail, I'm telling you right now, there's some people that are real animals. And I believe Paul is talking about wicked men as wild beasts here in his verse. And he also says, if there was no resurrection, this would be the only heaven we could ever look forward to. If there was no resurrection, this would be heaven. But wait a minute, there is going to be a resurrection. This is not heaven. We dare not spend our lives for these things, these, all these passing interests, all these things that mean nothing. A nice house, a nice car, a big bank account, a shiny new paint job, a brand new outfit, some new jewelry, a new watch. All those things mean absolutely nothing and they'll be burned up as wood, hay, and stubble. But what you do for the Lord Jesus Christ will last, will last, will last for all eternity. Amen. Let's get busy doing something. Let's get busy doing some work that will really matter, that will really make a difference. Amen. We must live for then, like then in heaven and not for now in the flesh. And he said, if it wasn't true, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Let's party it up. Let, let's just have a good old time. It's not going to matter anyways. That's what Paul's saying. If that's not true, if there was no resurrection, hey, we might as well eat, drink, be merry, and die. Let's just tie one on. Let's just have a good old time. But Paul knew, as me and you know, because the scripture said, there is a resurrection coming. Christ is coming back for his bride. Amen. And praise God for that and we need to remember that each and every day as we work for the lord that hey he's coming back what am i doing for the lord today verse 33 tells you be not deceived evil communications corrupt good manners evil company corrupts good manners paul was referring here now to false teachers who had crept in the church at corinth who were denying the resurrection and he said evil communications corrupt good manners and we, we Christians, need to realize that it is impossible to associate with somebody like that, people like that, and evil people like that, and evil teachings like that, without somehow, some way being corrupted. Now, hold on, there's a fine line there. The Bible tells us we should love people. But I want you to know, specifically, it's talking here about false teachers creeping into church, church and teaching false doctrine. It is impossible to be close with somebody like that without it affecting you. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 30, verse 20 says. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion, a companion of fools shall be destroyed. You know, it says a lot with who you hang around with. It says a lot with who your friends are. It says a lot with who you spend time with. And the Bible says that he that walketh with wise men shall be wise. Do you want to be wise? Then surround yourself with wise men. Amen. Verse 34. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Now, it, it may have been talking about the world or evangelizing the world, but it also 
may be talking about people that's in the church teaching false doctrine that don't know the true biblical plan of salvation. And that is that Jesus died on the cross, that he laid down his life, but then he rose again the third day. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And you can repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in him and be forgiven and have your names written in the Lamb's book of life. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352-247-9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries radio broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs. Located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.